What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. And this week, we're talking about one of my very favorite subjects, because I'm totally a marketing geek. We're talking about email marketing. And I am super psyched because this week I've got Nathan Barry, who is the founder of ConvertKit, which is the email marketing tool that I switched to late last year. He's the founder of ConvertKit, and he's joining us on the show today to talk about all things email marketing, including a question that's come from so many of you, which is, how do you make sure your emails actually end up in the inbox and don't get stuck in the dreaded promotions tab or worse yet, get go into spam, right? So we're going to be talking all about that. Nathan's also going to be sharing with us what a good open and click rate is and his approach to finding your first email subscribers for those of you out there who are just getting started. Now, I switched last year from AWeber to MailChimp and then finally to ConvertKit, and I am absolutely loving ConvertKit. For me, it's somewhere slightly more advanced than MailChimp. So if you're just getting started and you want a free solution, you definitely want to go with MailChimp. But if you're going to be paying for your email marketing, I really think you should take a look at ConvertKit because it lets you keep, instead of just having a bunch of different lists, it lets you tag your subscribers. This is super powerful. So you can tag people based on what products they've bought from you, what opt-in freebies they've gotten, what links they've clicked, and you can track this whole history about what your email subscribers have been doing. It's really, really awesome. I totally love it. So I'll put a link, which will be an affiliate link because I'm loving ConvertKit and I've signed up to be an affiliate with them. I'll put that in the show notes and you can definitely check it out and give ConvertKit a try if you're looking for like a way to up-level your email marketing. Now, the other thing to let you know about is that next week, finally, at long last, Marketing Bootcamp is arriving, which is so exciting. So as you know, earlier this year, I recruited some founding members and they've been going through the course and, you know, trying all the modules, implementing it in their business and seeing like 20% increases in their email subscribers, loads of clarity, focusing down on their target markets, creating amazing opt-in gifts, getting loads of subscribers. It's been really awesome. So I've taken all of their feedback, I've improved the course, and next week it's going to be available for you. So definitely watch out for that. If you're on my email list, you'll be hearing about it. And also if you're in the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group, I'll be talking about that there as well. So just a quick heads up that that's coming for you next week. And I know, you know, I've gotten a bunch of messages from you guys asking like, how's it going in Hong Kong? And when are you going to talk about this stuff? And to tell you the truth, I'm trying to figure out where's the best place to share about all this stuff I'm learning while I'm in Hong Kong. And to tell you the truth, like I'm still settling into my routine and getting back into my work schedule, but I'm just learning so much like different types of food and different beauty things and travel experiences. So I'm sharing lots of that on my Instagram account, but I'm also playing with the idea of, do I want to blog about it more regularly over on Vintage Amanda? Or is this something that should stay at Wellpreneur? I'm not sure yet. 
So I'm just kind of feeling that out. Like, what is it more like natural health and beauty? Is it more business? You know, where are we going to go with this? So don't worry. Stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram. Come into the Facebook group. Feel free to message me if you want to know what's going on. That's totally fine. And rest assured, I'll be sharing with you all these things I'm learning and my natural beauty and natural health discoveries being based in Asia very soon. But everything's going well here. I'm absolutely loving it and really excited to be able to be here for the next few months to learn and explore more. So let's stop talking and let's jump over into this interview with Nathan Berry all about email marketing. I think you're really going to love this one. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I know your company is growing like crazy and it was really cool to get on the phone with you because I know members of my audience have loads of questions about email marketing that I've been compiling and I'd love to throw some at you. Yeah, that's my, pretty much my favorite topic. <laughs> awesome. We can totally geek out on it then. Well, first, just for anybody that doesn't know about ConvertKit, can you just kind of give us a little, just the super short version of like why you started it and why you're different? Yeah, so ConvertKit's an email marketing platform for professional bloggers. And the reason I started it is because about four years ago, I got my start blogging, teaching people how to design iPhone and iPad applications. And then I wrote a book called The App Design Handbook. And then I ran into writing a few other books on design and marketing. And through that, email was driving more sales than every other channel combined. So some people were saying like, oh, social media is the future. You know, Check out what people are doing on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Just wasn't converting anywhere close to what email was doing. And so I loved that. But then I was looking at all these best practices, trying to make them work in MailChimp, and it just wasn't happening. Like I felt like at every turn, MailChimp was making it difficult and blocking me from implementing things like content upgrades and tagging customers and all these really important things. And it just didn't make sense. I was like, why isn't there a tool that's built for people like me? Because there's so many people who are building great online audiences and then selling products to them. And so I thought, okay this can be a lot better. Luckily, I happen to have a background in software and user experience design. And so I started building ConvertKit. And that was three years ago. Uh, it's been a long path over the last three years. But particularly in the last maybe six months to a year, we've hit some pretty ridiculous growth. And we now have some of the biggest blogs on the web, um, ranging from people like Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, Leo Babauta from Zen Habits, uh, to Katie from wellnessmama.com and just some truly, truly massive sites using ConvertKit. And we're having a lot of fun just supporting people who are building great online businesses and sharing a lot of great content. That's awesome. I didn't realize that Wellness Mama was on it too. I actually um, found out about ConvertKit through Pat Flynn. And when I saw it, I was like, it was like the light went on. It was like, ta-da, finally. <laughs> All of this, you know, what the functionality I'd been looking for without having to go to something like Infusionsoft, which is ridiculously complicated. Yeah, so kind of what we... It took us a long time to come to this, uh, this messaging. And it's actually something random that a customer said once. But basically what we've tried to build with ConvertKit is the power of Infusionsoft, but with the ease of use of MailChimp. Mm -hmm. And so we fitting you know, right in between those two and just designed for people like you and I. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. I totally love it. So I'm curious, you know, I think there's a sense, so I'm totally on board with you about email marketing being an awesome way, a really powerful way to keep in touch with your audience and convert them into sales. But I know a lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, we get so much email, you know, like everyone is overwhelmed by email. And so I'm just curious, like, in your, from what you're seeing in the industry, are you still seeing that that's like a really effective, is that still as effective as it used to be? 
Yeah. And it's so much more effective than social that um, even if it, if it continued to fall significantly year after year, it would probably take a few decades before you know, Twitter or Facebook surpassed it. We're seeing that it's like between 10 and 20 times as effective as Twitter at driving sales. Wow. So you mean driving traffic to your landing page or actually... I'm uh, driving sales. So, mm-hmm. well, think about... Say you get a lot of email. There's no comparison between the amount of emails you get and then the amount of posts on your you know, Twitter or Facebook feed. And so if you think about it, like you deal with every email that comes into your inbox in some way. You know, you either read it, delete it, reply to it, archive it, something. Whereas if you're on Twitter or Facebook, they actually... Well, on Twitter, you probably just jump in, check out, you know, 100 tweets or so, and then you're out. And then if you happen to uh, come back later, you might miss a bunch, but whatever. It's not an inbox that you're dealing with every single tweet. And so, and Facebook, like, you don't even get a chance to see everything. Like, Facebook, you know, selects probably something like 10 to 15% of the people that you're following and that you're friends with and shows you a subset of that content. And they're actually really frustrating because when I go to Facebook, I see the same content over and over again. And I'm like, I have like 250 or 300 friends on Facebook. I think there's some new content you could show me. Um, Totally. Yeah. So with email, every single email gets dealt with and the priority is much higher. And so the higher conversion rates happen in two places. One, the number of people that actually interact with your message. So if you post a tweet and you have 10,000 followers, those are convenient numbers because I have 10,000 followers and so I have all these stats. And it may work, comes out to a nice round number. But roughly about... If I post something to 10,000 followers, I can get maybe about 1.5% to even click that link. And that's basically an open on a tweet, you know? And so if they do that, you know, 1.5%, whereas on email, I can get like 35%. And so those numbers are totally different. And then once traffic gets to a landing page, I've been really good friends with people at Gumroad for the past few years. They're an e-commerce company. And so I have access to all of their stats that they were kind enough to share. And basically, once people come to a a sales page across all of Gumroad, all sellers on Gumroad, if they came from email, they're converting at an average of 9.5%. And if they came from Twitter, I think it was 5.4%. Wow. So you're getting far more people coming through to the sales page, you know, as a function of total subscribers or followers. And then once they get there, they're almost twice as likely to convert. Awesome. Cool. And one of the reasons that I think email is really great is because you're where people already are. Like everybody's checking their email, you know, multiple times a day. And so if you can appear there, you've totally got, okay, maybe you only have their attention for like half a second to actually capture them with a subject line. But like you're actually showing up someplace that they are a couple times a day. So it's really a really good way to keep in touch with people. Yeah. And usually when they're there, they're treating it like work as well, rather than goofing off or wasting time or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're in a higher quality context. So one of the questions that comes up a lot amongst wellpreneurs is about deliverability. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. And for everybody that isn't sure what that means, it's just how do we know that when we send an email through a product, like through an email marketing system, that it's actually going to end up in the inbox instead of going into spam or the dreaded Gmail promotions tab. So can you talk a little bit about deliverability and some things we can do to, to make it better? Yeah, so there's a few parts to deliverability. One would be the reputation of the the company or really the IP addresses of that company that you're sending through. And so that would be like a convert kit or a MailChimp. The next part would be the actual content itself that you're sending. You know, we've seen certain, you know, if you have too many links or some things like that, get individual messages flagged, particularly with Gmail. 
And then the last part would be your personal email address's reputation. So if you're sending through your particular site or you're sending through email at wellpreneuronline.com or something like that, like that has its own reputation just as a, you know, basically a from or a reply to email address. So those out of those three things combined, the reputation of the company is the biggest factor. And then the other, and probably the reputation of the company and the, the content of the email are the two biggest factors. So on that, the biggest thing that we do at ConvertKit in order to have amazing deliverability is we send amazing content. And so if you think about average open rates across the entire email marketing industry, if you've ever used MailChimp, they'll tell you, hey, you got a 20% open rate. The industry average is 4%. Congratulations, you're doing amazing. And we look at that and our averages are so much higher because we don't send typical email. If you think about it, we're email marketing just for bloggers. And so bloggers are sending out content that you want. So instead of buying a product once and now you're getting you know, all these emails from an e-commerce store, of course, those are going to get open rates in the 2 3 4%. But we're sending... You, know, you go sign up to Leo's website, zenhabits.net, because you love his writing. And so you are very intentional about that. And so you're signing up because you want to read every email that he's sending out. So he's going to be getting open rates in the 40% and higher, even with a massive email list. And so what happens is Gmail, well, Gmail in particular looks at those cues. They're looking at, okay, this random server sent out X, you know, 100,000 emails. How did people respond to them? Did they open them? Did they click them? Did they reply? Did they mark them as spam? Like, what did they do? And they start to score it based on that. And since we're sending remarkably higher quality content than any other email marketing provider out there, we get much better deliverability. Now, the flip side about that is that we manually approve every single new customer that signs up for ConvertKit because we have a reputation to protect and we're not willing to sacrifice that reputation just to make you know, a little bit more money from a few potentially, they don't even have to be um, like scammy accounts. You know, we ban a fair number of those. But if someone is just saying, hey, you know, I have this big list, I'll pay you $1,000 a month, which is still tempting for us. But they have, you know, open rates in under 10% or something like that. We just say no to them and say, you know what, there's other tools out there that are okay with your low open rates and we're not. And so that's really the biggest factor in deliverability is that we send higher quality email than any other provider out there. Cool. And what about, you mentioned something about the tools looking at, are people opening these? Are they clicking? Are they replying? So I've seen some people, and I've actually done this too, just to really do some like market research on the people that are joining my list. Like when somebody will join, I'll say, oh, and I'll ask them a question and say, hit reply and tell me what's your biggest challenge with your business? Something like that. And that's really good market research for me. But would that impact deliverability too, the fact that they're actually replying? Yeah, it totally does. Not with every email provider, because you got to keep in mind that there's Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, Comcast, AOL, um, MSN. There's really a ton. But with the major ones, it absolutely does. So I highly recommend that you ask for replies. The biggest reason would be for the market research that you're talking about. Because then if you're coming out with a product, then you can use people's own descriptions of their problem that the product solves in your marketing copy. And it's incredibly effective. Totally. Yeah. That's like the best marketing hack ever. It's so obvious. It seems too easy, right? Just use people's words back at them, but it really works. <laughs> yeah. And so you just put that, that question in your, your welcome email sequence, either you know, in somewhere in the first few emails and say, hey, related to our topic, what's your biggest struggle? Mm-hmm. And, uh, then you tag all those responses in, in Gmail or whatever. And and when it comes down to that sales page, you refer back to that. 
but it absolutely with Gmail, it absolutely affects deliverability. What about the Gmail promotions tab? Is there anything we can do to stay out of that? Yeah. So the biggest thing is to ask your subscribers to move you from promotions into the inbox. Gmail is going to continue to put more and more emails into promotions over time because they basically, they don't put many ads inside of Gmail. But if you notice in the promotions tab, they put a lot more ads because they're saying like, oh, these are promotions anyway. So it's not a big deal if we put our own ads in with it. And so they want more emails there because they want to be able to promote more of their own ads. So that's going to continue to happen. One thing that always works is getting a ton of your subscribers to move you from promotions to inbox. And then quite frankly, sending with a smaller email marketing provider um, like ConvertKit will have much lower chance that you end up in promotions just by default. So if you send the same content through MailChimp and through ConvertKit, it's a much better chance that the ConvertKit email will make the inbox rather than promotions. Mm -hmm. Getting replies is definitely a big thing. Nobody replies to a uh, promotions email you know, in general, of what Google would define as a promotions email. So if you get a bunch of people to reply, they're going to take that as a signal that, oh, maybe this actually was a more personal email and didn't belong in promotions. And how do you, how do you see people normally ask their readers to move them to the promotions tab? Is it like a, on a thank you page or is it in the first email itself? Or how do people do that? Yeah, I've seen it in both places, on the thank you and in the first email. You know, the other thing that will always get you out of the promotions tab is if someone adds you to their address book. And that seems to have like a very, very high success rate. From then on, it's just you're pretty much going to hit the inbox every time. Yeah. So people have made all these customized like thank you pages and saying like, oh, you're using Gmail and so do this. And really the core advice is always the same. Just add the sender to your address book and the emails will hit the inbox pretty much every time. Yeah, awesome. Unless you do something like stuff an email full of links. Like we had this blogger who's truly fantastic and I love his work. And then he he sent out an email and for some reason, you know, it was getting flagged as like a phishing or spam email in Gmail. And so it had like this red bar across it. We're trying to figure out why. And what it was, he just had too many links. And so in testing us, I when I would send the email to a test account, it would get flagged as phishing. But if I split it in half and sent it out, then the two individual parts would make it through just fine. Hmm. And so basically what it was, he was doing this massive link roundup. And so the email came across with like lots of buzzwords and links and because of that Gmail flagged it. So like, just don't... I guess what I'm saying there is write like a human um, <laughs> and don't stuff it full of like just list content, stuff like that. Right. But he was in the territory of like 20 plus links in one email. Right, Okay. And I wouldn't do that. Which is not... Yeah, if you want to do that many links in a roundup, then put that in a blog and then send out a link to the blog, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what about single versus double opt-in? Because... So I used to be on a Weber for years and they only let us do double opt-in so that somebody has to click a link in their email before they're added to your list. But then... And then I moved to MailChimp and then I moved to you guys and it's an option now. So what are you seeing about single and double opt-in? Like... Does it really matter? Yeah. So the first thing to be aware of is you need to follow the laws of the country that you live in. So the Netherlands, Canada, and you know, there's a handful of other countries that have fairly strict double opt-in laws. So if that's the case, you need to do double opt-in always. Um, and ConvertKit makes that easy. In the US and, and really in most countries, the laws aren't quite that strict. You just need to have them opt-in at some point, you know, put their email address in. Um, and if they do that, that's good enough. The trade-off here is, do you want a larger 
less engaged list or a smaller, more engaged list. So if we think of the number of obstacles that we've put in someone's way to join my email list, the the fewer people are going to make it through those obstacles, but the higher quality those people will be. So for example, if I charged everyone $5 to subscribe to my email list, like the people who, you know, I'm going to get a pretty low conversion rate as far as traffic to email subscribers. But the people who sign up are probably going to be pretty engaged. And I bet I would have some pretty stellar open rates on that list. And I actually really want someone to try this because then I have an exact example to show. So that would be really high. And then, you know, on the flip side is if we're able to say we're doing an affiliate promotion, you and I are doing an affiliate promotion, you're linking to my stuff, we can make a specially crafted link. So all someone has to do is click that link. And since you already know their email address, you can pass it through to me. All they have to do is click the link. You know, like Leadpages does this with their lead links product. And so we could do something like that where the friction is so low, they're not even having to add their email address in anywhere. And that's going to get the most people coming through. But as a function of that, they're going to be less engaged and you're going to get lower open rates, all of that. So to me, it's a trade-off. Do you want more people who are less engaged or fewer people who are very highly engaged? Almost all the time, I lean towards double opt-in. But it's just that trade-off. And then I guess the other thing I would say is you can always go through and clean out your list. We try to make that easy in ConvertKit. So if you know someone hasn't opened or interacted with something for 90 days, uh, we make it pretty easy to drop them off onto a, a, a campaign where you can break up with them if they uh, you know, are not continuing to invest in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I think people have a really hard time with that, thinking of like, oh, it was so hard to get these email subscribers and now I'm going to delete them. But really, like, if they're not opening your emails, you're just paying for dead weight in your email list, really, right? So we shouldn't be worried about it. Yep. There are some cases where having a large list is helpful and the open rate doesn't matter. I just was having a conversation last week with a good friend of mine who um, got a traditional publishing deal. And he has a very large list and he happens to have very good engagement on it. But it's one of those things where he and I were talking about, should he you know, prune out his list? And it's like, well, he, if he's going to make his money from these you know, large publishing advances... No, he shouldn't because the publishing houses are just going to look at, okay, how many email subscribers do you have? Do you have 10,000? Do you have 50,000? Do you have 100,000? And they're not going to be, they're not going to know enough to ask, yeah, but what's the open rate? Mm. And out of that, how many are engaged? And so in that case, it's actually beneficial to have a larger total number because they're going to factor that into their advance and uh, you know, you'll get a bigger advance because of it. Mm-hmm. So like that's pretty much the only case like that and advertising and partnerships where the total subscribers matters. In general, I prefer to focus on engaged subscribers, which would just be your open rate times uh, your total subscribers. Could you share with us what you think is a good open rate? Or like what should we be looking at for opens and clicks? Yeah, so clicks vary entirely based on the content. You know, I have lots of emails that have a 0% click rate and that's just because they don't have any links. Um, <laughs> you know, and others will have a 1% or a 5%. Or if it's just totally focused on getting a click, it might be as high as like a 20% click rate. Seeing anything higher than 20% click rate is really, really rare. Um, the larger your list is in general, the lower your open and click rates are going to be. And so don't freak out when your open rates gradually decline over time. It's just natural. You can fix that by pruning your subscribers. My personal email list is 37,000 subscribers and I see open rates between 28 and 38%. And that's acceptable. We have customers who have in the 200,000 subscriber range 
And you know their open rates might decline to as low as like 15%. And then they'll run a pruning campaign, delete like 25,000 subscribers and get those up, up higher. We like to see anything in the 20th to 30% as good. If you're under 1,000 subscribers, I'd like to see those open rates in like the 50% range. Because when your list is smaller, I guess people tend to know you a bit better. They're probably closer connected to you, right? So they're yeah. more And they've probably all been subscribed for a shorter amount of time. And so, you know, we've all subscribed to people's email lists where early on we're like, oh, this is so good. And they keep sending really great content. But like we've learned a lot of what that person has to say. And we're a little bit less interested now. And, you know, we're just not opening every single email like we did in those first few months. So it starts to decline over time, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'd like to talk a little bit about tagging and kind of the automation piece because that is what I think is super cool about ConvertKit and was really like the big driver for me to come over. And so here is a situation that I had and loads of listeners will have is that we have multiple opt-in freebies, right? So there's like several free guides or a free course or something like that on their site. So I used to have five of them, for example. And it became a complete nightmare because people would sign up for different ones and then they'd be subscribed to multiple lists or you'd have to figure out how to assign them to some kind of group in MailChimp, which was not easy. And then make sure that they only got the right kinds of communications. And it was a huge headache. So that I think that's a lot easier in ConvertKit in terms of like tagging people into like what they've signed up for and putting them in the right sequence. But can you kind of talk to us about what else... Well, about, you know, maybe about that, but also like what else people tend to use the tagging for? Yeah. So the first thing, and this is something that, that people sometimes have trouble with moving from MailChimp to ConvertKit. But once they figure it out, it's amazing. And basically what that is, is MailChimp is a list-centric provider and ConvertKit is a subscriber-centric provider. So on MailChimp, if you have the same person on two different lists, they're two different people. On ConvertKit, if you have the same person effectively on multiple lists, they're just one person with more attributes tracked under them. And so, you know, you're talking about like five content upgrades or marketing incentives. Those would just be forms in a ConvertKit. And there's one subscriber. They subscribe through one of them. They show up for the first time in the system. Then they subscribe to the next one. Then they just get that form added to their subscriber profile as another attribute, something that you could segment on later. So I do this on my blog because I talk about both design and marketing. So instead of asking people, hey, do you want to get my marketing emails or just my design emails? All I do is group that or segment them based on what they've opted into. So if you've opted into something related to how to get better at Photoshop, I know you're interested in design. And then if you happen to also have opted into something marketing related, you're going to be in that segment as well. And so it's really smart lists rather than like it being really rigid. The other thing that people track all the time or that I track all the time is what you're interested in as far as products, and then what products you've purchased. And so I create a series of tags in ConvertKit. And like MailChimp doesn't even have tags. So normally you'd have to go to Infusionsoft for this. But basically I have tags and I'll say, just list them out as uh, a product you're interested in or a product you've purchased. And so basically anytime you click through from one of my emails to a product, like my book, The App Design Handbook, I'm going to tag you as being interested, you know, automatically tag you as being interested in that product. And then, you know, if I'm running a sale on that product or having a special campaign or something like that, I'm going to push sales a little bit harder, you know, maybe an additional email or something like that to the people who are interested in it, but have not purchased. And then, you know, I have an integration with Gumroad who I do all of my commerce through. And the ConvertKit has integrations with tons of providers. 
but so that as soon as you purchase the product, you're being tagged as having purchased that. And then I know, you know, every time I'm, I'm running a pitch, I just filter out people who have already purchased it. So I make sure I'm not pitching you something that you've already bought. And the email sequences in ConvertKit can do that automatically. Mm-hmm. So those are the biggest things. Track where people opted in, track what products they're interested in, and then track what they've actually purchased. Cool. So kind of last question on email. But if somebody's just getting started, you know, they've set up their business online, they've got their blog, and they want to, and they're starting to build their email list, and people feel really stuck with like, what do I even, what do I do to start? How do I know even what to send my subscribers? So do you have any advice around that? Yeah. So when you're right at the beginning and have, you know, no subscribers or practically no subscribers, I want you to follow something I call the 10 person rule. And so what you do, step one is to figure out your topic. Hopefully you know that, you know, and narrow it down, get it to be pretty specific. Mine, so I'll just use that as an example, was teaching people how to design iPhone applications. And so then what you do is list out 10 people that you know personally who want to learn that. So I was listing out my programmer friends who wanted to learn design. And then maybe my, my beginner techie friends who were just trying to get into it and learn design as well. So I listed out 10 of them. And then, and if you can't get to 10 for your topic, uh, maybe you shouldn't be talking about it because you know, maybe you don't have enough connections or a network already. But 10 people should be pretty easy. So with those 10 people, send them an email and say, Hey, I'm starting a new site and an email list where I'm talking about you know, fill in the blank. Is that something you'd be interested in? And hopefully your list is pretty targeted and you know these people. So say 8 out of 10 should get back to you on that. And then what you do is you know, they say, yeah, I'm interested. So great. There's your first 8 email subscribers. They've all given you permission to uh, add you to their email list. And so at least you're sending to someone now. And then what you do is send out another email. And this is all personal one-on-one emails. So like from Gmail or something like that, not from ConvertKit. Send out another email and ask two questions and say, one, what are you struggling with related to this topic? What's your biggest frustration related to learning how to design iPhone apps? And then two, where do you go online right now to learn about this topic? So what these questions do, and you're basically going to want to take these responses that people give you and put them in a spreadsheet and track them. But question number one, the frustration question, is telling you what to write about. Often in those early days, it can be really hard to know what to write about and, and what to focus on. And so if you just write and answer people's frustrations, someone's like, oh, I don't get how to do this, or I'm struggling with finding these types of recipes, or whatever it is, just help that one person. And if it's useful to one, it'll be useful to many. So that will give you, you know, your initial content. And the second question of where do you go online right now? to learn about this. That's going to, you know, people are going to tell you about the Twitter accounts they follow, you know, the websites, the communities, like, you know, for me in tech, it's like Product Hunt and different subreddits and Hacker News and some of these other ones. But in every industry, it's going to be different. And so basically, you're just getting your friends to do your research for you and tell you about communities you probably didn't know existed. And that will give you places to guest post, places to share your content and communities and forums to participate in. That's kind of the process that gets you started. And then if you, if you did that with 10 people and it worked, like just keep doing it. I know a lot of people who have reached their first 100 subscribers or more, like almost purely through cold outreach of just saying, you know, hey, thanks for sharing my article. Would you want to join my email list? And stuff like that. Or if you have a friend or a, you know, a Facebook friend or someone like that who you think might be interested, just ask them if they, if they really would be interested and if so, to join. And that's, that's how you get started. That's awesome advice. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. 
so we're kind of at the end of our time together, but since everyone listening is interested in wellness and I saw on your personal website that you had a big fitness push for 2015, I'm really curious because you're growing, ConvertKit is growing super fast. So I'm sure like your level of busyness has just gone through the roof. And so how have you even managed to keep like health and fitness and balance as part of your life? Or has that kind of gone out the window or what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's definitely gotten more challenging, particularly in the last couple of weeks. But my biggest things are on on the fitness side is I, I tend to do, there's a local CrossFit gym that I really like. It has really great coaches. And so I tend to go there twice a week. And then when I miss that, I just try to do like some really simple push-ups, sit-ups and that kind of thing. It helps that I'm married to someone who is obsessed with great food. And so she is always cooking and trying out recipes and, you know, we have a garden here and everything. So, you know, that makes the, the eating side of things pretty easy. But yeah, the stress level of growing a company is definitely difficult. On From like an emotional health side, which I think is very, very important, just focusing on gratitude is a big thing. And so when I find myself getting stressed about, you know, we're growing at this level and so these things are hard to keep up with, uh, instead of stressing about that, I try to remember to focus on the gratitude side of say, of like, wow, we're growing a company at this level and we're, you know, we're able to serve now almost 3,000 bloggers and that's growing at a rate of, you know, 800 to 1,000 a month and, and just be really grateful for that. And that helps me keep my mind in a much better place and avoid getting stressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So Nathan, where can people get in touch or learn more about you if, yeah, if they'd like to do that? Yeah, so I occasionally blog at NathanBerry.com and Barry's B-A-R-R-Y. And now I blog there like once a month. It used to be, you know, my full-time business, but now with ConvertKit, I do everything at ConvertKit.com. And we, you know, most of the content there is written by our team now. We have Val on our team who is absolutely fantastic. And she runs everything there, but occasionally I contribute on the blog. And then you can just find me on Twitter, just at NathanBerry. And, you know, I try to get back to everybody. Cool. Thanks so much for being here, Nathan. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links of everything we talked about in the show notes, including my affiliate link if you'd like to try out ConvertKit. You don't have to use my affiliate link. You can just go directly to convertkit.com. But if you like this podcast and want to support Wellpreneur, it would be awesome if you'd click through my affiliate link when you do that and check it out. And then we can chat in the Wellpreneur Marketing Mastermind Facebook group about what you're finding. How's it working for you? What's the right email solution for you? Let's talk about all of that over in the Facebook group. And if you're not yet a member, there's over 600 Wellpreneurs in that group. And I'll link it up also in the show notes so you can jump over and follow us there. So I hope you have a fabulous week and yeah, and lots of goodness still to come. And I'll see you back here next week, both with the launch of Marketing Bootcamp and also with the next episode.